Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, the topic today is ensuring digital and virtual healthcare security. What are we talking about here is, you know, with digital health initiatives that have uh, started coming into the mainstream, they, for many, see they, they see it as a perceived security risk, or perhaps it has some actual security risk by the very uh, way we do digital, uh, we open a lot of windows for people to come in through. Now, that also could be true for the telehealth, which is also getting introduced, and it especially got introduced to quite a degree with this COVID-19 pandemic. And all of these combined could be already compounding the issue that people have with security because it's complex, uh, people are distributed, and we are trying to tackle a whole lot of things where the people who are against us are people very well-funded and a lot of experts on the other side who are trying to cause us harm. Now, when we look at the healthcare, are we truly centralized and that well integrated in terms of our systems to be able to uh, prevent or minimize damage caused by such attacks? How are the different industry players who come from the healthcare ecosystem ensuring that digital and the virtual healthcare security and breaches? that could potentially compromise patient information confidentiality and increase exposure to non-compliance penalties, we are able to better take care of them and minimize the issues while, of course, maximizing the patient experiences and outcome. So to discuss this, I have with me Anahi Santiago, who is the Chief Information Security Officer with Christiana Care. Hey, Anahi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, great, lovely, uh, you know, uh, times here. And, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that we are going to talk to someone that as experienced as you about this very interesting topic. So let's jump into the first question. So introduction of digital and virtual healthcare did not happen last week. It happened a couple of years ago. People started talking about it. People started toying with it. From your perspective, to what degree has that truly compounded the already complex and unnerving security related issues the whole world is facing and healthcare even more so? Sure. So I'd like I'd like to give it a little bit of context because I think digital adoption started, you know, with the advent of electronic health records and the um, interoperability of medical devices within um, the hospital setting. But I, I think what you're referring to is the acceleration that has uh, that has taken place over the last two to three years in terms of virtual care adoption, hospital at home, really moving towards um, digital assets um, and, and just the speed to which we've gotten to where we are right now. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's it's something that's here to stay. I think there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of integrating cybersecurity with um, the usability of digital assets. Um, 
but but I think we've done a, a lot of really good work over the last couple of years to really begin to move the needle forward into really adopting uh, technology that can better serve patient care. So, you know, what you said is good. Now, by the very design of how healthcare is delivered, it's not just one entity, right? So we are all interconnected. It's like a village to deliver healthcare. And all of these huts in the village, if I were to draw on that same uh, you know, analogy, they have their own way of how they want to deliver or they should deliver to the patient. At the same time, the way their own infrastructure and systems and processes work. What would you say is the level of maturity where these individual entities have become a cohesive set of organizations who have come together with exactly the same agenda and the best possible integrated approaches to systems, processes, and tools that they could work together to minimize the vulnerabilities we have and or the damages these attacks can cause us? Where do we stand today? That's a really great question. And I think it's a complicated one to, to answer simply because every organization is at a different level of maturity. I think as an industry as a whole, uh, we still have a ways to go in terms of really, truly being an integrated ecosystem of healthcare organizations that are all working towards the common good. I, I do think for the larger organizations that have been doing it for a lot longer, we've put systems in place um, that have fostered collaboration between the individual entities, right? Because you're talking about payers, business associates, healthcare organizations, physician practices that all really have to work in concert. Um, and they, they're not all at the same level from a maturity perspective to true, truly be aligned. Uh, I, I do think that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. You know, the, the, the new regulations around interoperability are also creating some challenges because there are still um, some, some standards to be defined to be able to really achieve that cohesive nature that you're describing. Uh, but there's been a lot of good work that's been done. You know, of course, uh, you know, I have also interviewed quite a few people doing it for many years. And I remember a conversation around patient-centered care, another one on population health and many other flavors. And we were talking about uh, the less than perfect state of different entities working together and also talking about the, the disconnects in different ways. And it's nobody's fault. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about seven, eight years back. And to some extent, I hear the same disconnects and, and lack of cohesiveness. Nobody wants that. So what is the uh, possibility for us to, first of all, tame that beast for good? And if not, how can an individual entity like your organization, it, it could become the best it can be in terms of handling security, but you've got a lot of weaker links, which would render your effort or rather undermine your effort otherwise. So what's the solution to something like that, given the, the state of less than perfect or less than good, in fact, in some cases? So, uh, you know, going back to my earlier comment, I, I think we need standardization, uh, which, is, which is something that is lacking in many areas of healthcare delivery. And by that, I mean, um, you know, the way that we communicate between electronic systems, the way that, 
um, technology is developed, the way that cybersecurity is baked in to the technology, um, the, 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 even the electronic mechanisms to um, deliver data, uh, all, all of that requires a common methodology for how it gets done in order for um, this ecosystem that you so adeptly describe can all move you know, in the same direction. Uh, you know, to, to answer question, the question around how an organization like Christiana Care can and does um, work towards, you know, uh, advancing this work, and I, and I can speak specifically to cybersecurity, uh, we, we are contrib- active contributors to uh, public and pri- private sector entities whose common goal is really to affect the, ch- the changes in health IT that need to take, and in cybersecurity, that, that need to take place in order for the industry to advance as a whole. And, and where I think, or, or it's important work for organizations like us who have um, more mature environments, more mature programs and, and, and greater capabilities is that our contribution can help move the industry as a whole and specifically the smaller to mid-sized organizations that don't have the kinds of resources that we have to be able to implement mechanisms um, such as sound cybersecurity mo- models. And so I'm, I'm speaking specifically around, you know, the healthcare sector, cyber, um, so, excuse me, the healthcare sector coordinating council, cybersecurity working group, which is an organization that has about 300 plus um, contributors from all walks of the industry, medical devices, healthcare systems, pharma, payers, um, laboratories, you name it. And our common goal is to develop products that are free of charge that can, um, that can help the industry to adopt sound cybersecurity practices. And um, you know, a great example is the 405D framework, which is a framework that the Office of Civil Rights supports uh, as a mechanism for organizations to adopt, uh, to implement sound cybersecurity practices. And even out of the 405D work are a lot of different resources on, um, on work products, such as contract language for, for cybersecurity and technology agreements, um, how to develop training material f- free of charge for organizations to be able to train their workforce. So, you know, there's a lot of work that can be done and affected by organizations that have the resources that can be leveraged to increase the maturity um, for for some of these smaller to mid-sized organizations or even large organizations in underserved communities that just don't have the resources to do it on their own. Now, if you you look at this whole um, idea of us working towards security and which means across multiple entities, it's not just the security leaders who are supposed to take that accountability and responsibility because they cannot themselves do it all and and they would need support at all levels. So if you think if this was to be tackled as different entities, but within those entities, specific individuals or specific groups, what should that team look like? Which should take the ownership of this? So this gets done and if it doesn't get done, we know, who are the people to go to to find out what's happening? So, so there, there are different ways to skin that cap, 
there, you know, there's the, the core cybersecurity responsibility that not only resides with an information security team, but with um, other uh, stakeholders that are really responsible for implementing cybersecurity. So specifically, those individuals that are required to manage the firewalls who may not live inside information security, all of the different technologists that have to apply the patches to the information systems that live outside of security, the clinical engineering team that, um, you know, that, ma- that, that does the maintenance and the management of all of the medical devices that are throughout the network. Uh, and so that, that is an ecosystem that works very close together in order to be able to affect the technology aspects of cybersecurity. However, um, I always say that our caregivers are our most important assets. They are the first line of defense in our, you know, in our mission to implement sound cybersecurity practices. And so um, we need each and every one of those caregivers to be vigilant around how to identify potential cybersecurity risks, how to report them, how to determine where there, there might be a potential issue out on the hospital floors. Uh, again, how to report it, how to uh, dialogue with management. Um, and then there's also the, you know, the leadership within a healthcare organization that should be and, and is supportive of cybersecurity. And it starts with the board, it starts with executive management as lending the voice and the support that then permeates across an organization so that every single person really does own some component of cybersecurity. And if organizations are able to build that kind of culture, uh, although I don't know that any organization can uh, avoid a potential cybersecurity incident, but they can certainly respond a lot faster and mitigate the, the lingering effects of a potential attack. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages and talk specifically about a list of challenges one needs to overcome to get to the desired state. And then when we talk about the challenges, instead of going through all potential challenges across the healthcare, let's specifically dig into the digital and virtual healthcare-related Uh, services going mainstream, what are the challenges they are posing, which we need to overcome for us to have security work the way we want it to. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, 
And I, when, when we look at this whole ecosystem, so one is that same old, same old, you saw healthcare system having its security needs, but then came the, the digital and virtual healthcare. Uh, did it change what uh, landscape or what holy grail you painted for security? And if, if it was different, then what were the unique challenges that this particular set of beasts, if you will, which got introduced? Absolutely. Um, it, it certainly changed the landscape. If you think about um, in traditional healthcare delivery, everything's happening within a hospital. Um, all of the technology that is used to care for patients is within the four walls of that hospital. And the cybersecurity controls that need to be applied to the technology and to the care delivery processes are all within the hospital. They are visible. We can monitor them. We can manage them. We can, we can respond to them at a speed um, that we've been, become accustomed to. As we start to push out the care to the patient's home, uh, those walls dissolve. Our ability to remain connected to that ecosystem is dissolved. And so the way that we have to approach cybersecurity changes drastically. It, it, the, the models that we've traditionally used are no longer applicable or it, they have to change in some way. And, um, and so as we not only move to virtual care where everything's happening, you know, the care is not only happening over a potential Zoom session, um, it also requires that we deliver devices to a patient's home so that as we engage in that care, they're able to collect the telemetry that we need to determine physically um, how the patient is responding to the care. All of that telemetry has to then go to some cloud provider so that we can then have it be accessible to us. And so now we not only have to protect the technology that our caregivers are using inside the four walls, we've got to figure out how to uh, protect all those devices that are now living in somebody's home that may be vulnerable, may be subject to uh, an attack. Uh, but, you know, our requirement to still have to protect that uh, remains. Um, in addition to that, we, we now have to assess the third party, the cloud providers that we are now dependent on to get the data from the patient's home onto our en en environment. And so it, the requirements have not only tripled, but they are very different in each one of those scenarios. And so the complexities have increased exponentially um, as we start to drive out to virtual care and care at home. Now, you did mention about, you know, the, the virtual uh environment in which you might have people using devices at home or any other kind of devices. But then if you think about even otherwise, you always had devices in the healthcare ecosystem. And that means you had IT and OT both, you know, coming together and you have to manage those. But then they were in a controlled environment. Now you've got things all over the place. So in your playbook, how do you handle the moving target of people bringing different kinds of devices, putting some updates, some not updates, or some things which you've not created as so-called corporate-owned devices, right? In typical sense, when we talk about, so it's not in your control. The patient is not in your control, and, and the, the devices they use are not always in your control. 
So the, the key to all of this is visibility. You can't protect what you don't know or can't see. So as those devices are leaving the hospital walls and moving into you know, uncontrolled ecosystems, such as the patient's home, we need a mechanism to still be able to get visibility into the security posture of those devices. And, and that's where we can leverage the cloud to be able to still send um, that security telemetry out to the cloud, to a cloud provider, and then back into our environment so we can still get the visibility, the alerts, um, the asset management for anything that has left our control. And then from there, the playbook becomes, okay, if we now see that there is a critical vulnerability to a, a subset of devices that we have issued to patients home, what is our mechanism for communicating with our clinicians and with our patients to either deploy security patches through those cloud mechanisms onto those devices or where those mechanisms are not available, you'll get those devices back to us to either get patched or get replaced. Um, and so that, that speaks to the kind of complexity that, um, you know, that I referenced earlier where I no longer can send a technician to somewhere on my hospital floor to fix a device. I now need to figure out what's my plan for getting that device back to us or to you know or connect it somehow so that we can deliver the patches and remediate the vulnerability. Um, so that's one playbook. And another uh, another playbook that um, we're working through that I think is really important is um, educating our clinicians in ways that they have not traditionally needed to be educated. Because when devices are within the four walls of our hospital, and there might be an issue, whether it's that something's broken or um, we learn of a, a vulnerability on a medical device, we, we, can, we can be the central point of interface um, in how we address any potential issues. Whereas now a patient may actually reach out to the clinician to say, I learned in the news that my pacemaker might have a potential vulnerability, what should I do? Um, and that clinician has not traditionally been educated on how to respond. And so that, that, that next evolution and um, how we educate our clinicians in dialoguing with patients around cybersecurity and technical issues, I think it's a really important next step in the maturity of our journey towards virtual care and hospital at home. I have a great example. Um, just this week, I had a physician that reached out to me uh, because he was made aware of a vulnerability in a certain set of insulin um, pumps. And uh, his ask of me is, uh, well, his, he shared with me that we don't actually um, give our insulin pumps to the patients. We allow the patients to use their own, but he had a concern that the pumps that the patients are using may have been those pumps that were affected. So his question to me was, what should I, what should I tell the patient? How, how do I help the patient to uh, protect themselves or to check? And so we sort of dialogued and talked through um, how to have the conversation with the patient in non-technical terms, because these patients don't understand technology. Um, such that the patients could actually protect themselves from those potential vulnerabilities. It was a really candid, 
great conversation, but an example of what I'm talking about when it comes to educating clinicians on how they can dialogue with patients. Now, we always have used education and training as one of the key approaches to get people to take responsibility of their actions and the data they create or use in an organization. Now, that is for the end user. But now, given the kind of newer uh, approaches to a threat could come, the kind of damages it could cause, your own security team needs to up their game and or they always have to keep learning. So, and, and, and not just learning, but but figuring out how to get up to speed on those things so they can apply to minimize damage or at least if possible, even prevent the attacks. What would you say are the kind of uh, educational and training avenues that are even available for even the best of security people to stay ahead of the people who are trying to cause harm? I think one of the most important, and it's not necessarily just educational, but um, just instrumental in staying ahead of the threat actors are the healthcare sharing, I'm sorry, the information sharing organizations such as HISAC, which is the healthcare sector specific information sharing organization. You know, through that organization on any given day, we are receiving threat intelligence we're receiving alerts and advisories on, you know, on, on threat actor profiles and activities. Um, they are providing webinars on third-party risk management, on medical devices, resources, publications. So certainly that, that, that organization in particular is a wealth of information. In addition to that, um, there are a lot of educational resources through CISA, or Carnegie Mellon, you know, the CSERT, um, SANS.org um, that provides training and, and among, uh, among many others. There, there are so many fruitful educational resources out available to, to our team. However, there's also a lot of noise. So it's really working through and that, discerning which ones are the ones that are really adding value and which ones um, are really just um, additive. Uh, what, I, what I will say is that, you know, in order to build a really strong cybersecurity program, education has to be a core component. We have got to allow our security team members the capacity, the time, and flexibility to be able to consume education. You know, I, I, a peer of mine um, at another healthcare organization, uh, one said, you know, you have to say yes every time somebody comes to you and asks for an opportunity to either go to a conference or to go to training. If you deny them the ability to do that, you're weakening your environment and you're also putting that potential contributor at risk of going somewhere else to another organization that will allow them to get the education that they need. Um, one of the things that I love about cybersecurity is that we have to learn. It's a, it's, you have to constantly learn every day. I learn. I've been doing this for 17 plus years. And every day I am forced to learn something new in order to continue to be successful in my role. And that trickles all the way down 
to every single information security member, and in some areas to other, you know, to the other technology stakeholders that also have to be part of the ecosystem that implements cybersecurity. One last question. So, you know, CISO would they are very powerful and they have a lot of responsibility, but you definitely need support from the executive management, and you always had to get that support for you to get your job done. But now, given again in the context of this digital and virtual healthcare, which is still an evolving field and still juries out at how much value will it create, how much business value, how much patient value, while there looks like it's going to create a lot of value. But then what new form, new, more or different form of executive management support and sponsorship that's needed beyond the already available to you that would allow you to create the right foundation and it'll pave the way for you to support or rather enable a very good, effective digital and virtual healthcare security. So this is an area where I'm really proud of Christiana. About six years ago, we we implemented a cybersecurity committee of the board that is solely focused on cybersecurity issues and governance. And so if you think about the traditional challenges that a lot of information security professionals have um, across industries, which is getting a seat at the table and, and getting the attention of the board. And then many of us were successful in getting at least uh, a seat or some time on the audit and compliance committee of the board, um, which is where Christiana Care started. Um, when I first started Christiana Care, I, I, I began presenting at the audit and compliance, which is very traditional. Um, but the security agenda became such a huge topic of discussion that at some point, Christiana decided this warrants its own committee. It requires that much attention. Um, and so now every two months, I present to the cybersecurity committee of the board that has um, that actually has uh, CISOs from other other organizations, um, you know, experts, um, cybersecurity experts that can help to guide the the governance structure and some of the challenges that you know that executive management is responsible for. I can say that that's not something that's common across the healthcare industry. I don't know many of my peers that have a separate cybersecurity committee of the board providing that level of executive oversight. And I, but I do think that to answer your question, that's the next step. I think organizations that adopt that next step and get that level of oversight and focus just on cybersecurity. And then the top-down support for CISOs like myself and other information security professionals are, is, is the absolute necessary next step for organizations to be successful in the cybersecurity fight. Once again, thank you so much, Anahi, for uh, sharing your insights and thoughts about how organizations can have the security leaders, the business and technology leaders to come together to ensure uh, uh, digital and virtual healthcare security to a point where it becomes more of a strength versus a point of weakness. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listeners, please like us on social media, subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. 